0: Thank you again guys for allowing me to come this tonight and share with you um, but before i do um, i just want to kind of first of all i guess i haven't had a chance probably in a while just to say thank you on behalf of my family um, as a lot of you know this past well the previous year was a very tough year for my family and i um, and uh, i won't get into all that but what i really want to express is just your guys's love your friendship, um, walking with us, meals, people coming by, visiting, cards, hugs, words of encouragement. You know, there's some things in life that we just cannot walk through on our own. And it takes a family and it takes a body. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of my wife and, and my children and myself for being our family being part of the body with us, and walking with us through this time. I sincerely mean that. Thank you, thank you so much. Amen. Um, but tonight as I get started, I thought about putting a title on it, and then I decided I'm not going to title it, so I'll let you title it. So you can tell me what the title is later. Brother Troy will tell me. Um, but I want to first of all go to Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 1, but I'm going to pray before we get started, but that's where I'm going to start at. And uh, let's go ahead and open up in prayer and just ask the Lord to be with us and, and guide us to open our hearts, but most importantly, just guide my words and what I have to say tonight. So Father, we come. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful time to come together on a Wednesday evening. Lord, it's amazing that you meet with us. Lord, that you promise us wherever two or three are gathered in your name that you are here. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come, Lord Jesus. We invite your presence. I just pray that you would open every heart here. I pray that you would open my heart. I pray, Lord, that every word that is spoken tonight, Lord, it would just be words of love, words of encouragement. Lord, I just pray it would be your word. And I pray, Father God, that we would be blessed by your word tonight, Lord, and everything that you have to say. And we just welcome you, and we just honor you in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's go ahead and begin um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And I want to start there reading, and it says this. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And as we think about that tonight, I want to, first of all, just dive into that a little bit. And I want you to take a look at the word for race. And the word for race here is agon. And what it means is, we get the English word from that, and it means agony. Agony. And if you think about that, probably maybe in high school or even in college, Uh, anybody here ever run track or participate in that, something like that, or... Maybe football, you know, when they'd make you run, you know, you'd run to the five-yard line and then back, and then the 10-yard line and then back, you know, you go clear out to the 50. And so when Paul is talking about this, and he's talking about the running the race here and using the word "gone," I mean, there's, there's kind of an agony as you're running for a period of time, you know, when your legs begin to burn and every part of your body begins to burn and you're saying, coach, you know, can we stop? Or you're, you're running this marathon and you're coming down to the last few miles of the race and it feels like you just can't go on anymore. The idea here is begins to be a little bit of agony that begins to take place physically. And so as we're talking about this and we're talking about running a race, part of running a race is the part of the fact that within that race there's going to be Um, some times that aren't real comfortable there are going to be some times that create a little bit of agony there's going to be some times that even bring a little bit of pain and when paul was talking about the word agon one of the words that's required to go with that is trying to pronounce it here hupo hupo monene hupo monene something like that and that has been translated um, from the greek obviously has the word endurance and you have to think about that those two things really need to combine right because if i'm in a race and i'm running towards a goal and i've been running the idea is i've been running for a period of time so it's more of like a marathon and as i'm beginning to feel the strain of that race and i'm beginning to think about man I, i i'm really having some trouble here i'm struggling a little bit my body's starting to hurt my legs are starting to burn my knees are starting to give out Something else has got to come alongside that agony to give me the ability to continue forward, right? And that's where Paul is bringing in the word there, endurance. So we have to have endurance to be able to continue to run or to move forward. And that word there is basically um, talking about the idea of staying under. Or staying under the pressure in the agony of an event until you have run it to the end. The race that Hebrews is talking about isn't an easy thing. It demands an intense self-control and determination. Right? Self-control and determination. Self-control in saying, you know what, I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting, my body hurts, I don't think I'm going to make it, but yet my eyes are set on the prize, the goal that is before me, so I'm going to endure, I'm going to remain determined until I get there. And I've lived long enough, I mean, I'm 46 now, so (laughs) I've lived long enough to see a lot of people uh, begin their races as a sprint only to collapse before they reach the end. And it's a sad thing to think about, but we need to remember how easy it is for our endurance to fail. And we also need to remember, though, within that, all of the positive examples of those who were strong. Those who made it to the end. And a lot of times, you know, if I'm working towards something, a goal or whatever, and I'm starting to feel discouraged or distressed, or maybe I'm even in physical agony, I remember some of my favorite people. Whether it's people that have mentored me in life, or some of the Bible scriptures and verses that I've read, I like to think about David and how courageous he was when he went up against Goliath. How he was picked as a shepherd boy out of some back flock that nobody even knew what his name was. How when his own king tried to kill him. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes the pressure is just so strong and you feel like you just want to conform with everybody else in life, Right? Because everybody else is going a certain way and the world is going a certain way. And sometimes you feel like you're just like that stick in the middle of the stream and everybody's going the other way. But I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when all thousands of them bowed down, it was pretty obvious when only three were left standing. And they're getting this big mental picture of this fiery furnace. And they're saying, if you don't bow, that's where you're going. But yet they stood. They endured the test. So we need to remember some of the positive examples of those who were strong to the end. So, how are we going to endure to the end? How are we going to run the race in such a way that we won't collapse? That we won't embarrass the Lord? bring shame upon ourselves and dishonor to the name of Christ with some great failure. Hebrews 12.1 lists two things. The first of all, it says to lay aside. Lay aside sins and encumbrances. Because the author mentions both things separately, we can see that these words that he's talking about aren't the same thing. And we know what sin is, and we know what it does, but encumbrance, what does that mean? And we know that it doesn't mean sin. Essentially, an encumbrance is anything that slows you down, that weighs on you as you are running. In the Greek, and I'm not going to try to pronounce that word, but basically in the Greek when it's translated over, it means bulk. It's not sin, but it's unnecessary weight. You understand? It's like maybe you were a well-trained sprinter and you're getting in the blocks, okay? So I'm getting down here to run and I'm in the sprint position. I'm ready to take off, but they just put a bunch of big ankle weights around me. And then they put a big old trench coat around me. So I'm down here and I've got these weights on my ankles and I've got this trench coat that's coming down. And so now I'm I'm being restricted. I'm encumbered. I'm not going to be able to run to my full potential. Okay? So encumbrance in our lives can look like uh, many things. It can look like too much time on the internet or on gaming consoles. It can look like Taking too much time, maybe getting caught up in just the things of the world, the empty media, all the things that are being blasted out there all the time. I see some people, it just seems like they just get worked up into a frenzy about everything that's going on. That's all they can think about. You know, their anxiety is through the roof. The world's going to end tomorrow. Things that are just irrelevant. Endurance is already a difficult and painful process. Don't allow anything in your life that will only serve to slow you down, to restrain you, to drain your energy and dampen your enthusiasm for the things of God. And certainly don't admit anything that threatens to turn from a simple encumbrance into something that completely absorbs and masters you. I know of a few examples of both encumbrances in my life and also areas that I've sinned in or sin in. How about you? Interesting hearing someone from the pulpit say that, but it shouldn't be. No one here is perfect. Amen? We're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling before a holy, loving, and uncompromising Lord and our Savior, Yeah. The sooner that we can pull back the facades and that sometimes we all hide behind, myself included, and get real with ourselves and with our King and recognize those encumbrances... Or sin that is slowing us down in our race for Christ and fulfilling the great commission to preach the cost, sorry, to preach the gospel, to build his church, to lift up, to encourage, yes. to love one another, and I mean real love Christ's love. The kind of love that Christ has for us. But what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I think it means I know who you really are. I know all your secrets, your shortcomings, what you have done or maybe what you have not done when you could have or should have. Something you said. Maybe a time that you should have stood up or stepped up and you didn't. But in light of all that, I love you. You know, real love sees you for who you are and they love you anyways. Fake love perceives the facade and says, I love you. But real love is when a brother and a sister you know, or brother to brother and sister to sister where we can be honest with each other. I don't have to try to hide everything, but we're going to walk together in love with one another. We're going to bear one another's burdens. We're going to lift each other up. And I'm not trying to hide everything, but I'm trying to grow. And you're trying to grow with me. And together, we're going to grow together in Christ and we're going to walk together in Christ. And I'm not going to hold what you tell me against you and you're not gonna hold what I tell you against you but we're gonna encourage one another we're gonna love one another we're gonna go forward that's true love right in light of all that I love you and my desire for my brother the desire for my sister is to see you grow and succeed in Christ I want you to win I want you to live I want you to have eternal life. I'm not in contention with you. I will be quiet for peace, for your sake, for the sake of salvation and the sake of the church because I love you. And my eyes are focused on him and his love for you and for me and everything else is pale in comparison to that. So I choose to refrain from, to keep from speaking, to give more grace, to extend love when I'm wronged, and to hold my opinion and keep it to myself for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to do as Christians and as brothers and sisters is to come to the realization that I don't have to be right, even if I am right. That's a hard thing to do. And there's a lot of times, you know, when we're walking together with one another and things arise, and I might feel very passionate, I might even be right. But just because I'm right doesn't mean it's the right thing for me to push that point. If it's going to bring you and I in contention with one another, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Amen. That's good, brother. For the sake of the unity in the body of Christ. My opinions or views are not that important. If it brings us in contention with one another, rather I will leave that job to the Holy Spirit and His work in you and His work in me. Sometimes sin is obvious, like hatred towards one another or gossiping or adultery, etc., etc. Sometimes they're not so obvious. The ones we want to keep secret, maybe stealing or lying or fornication or adultery ones we don't want to tell anybody about and sometimes it's not so secret or sometimes it's maybe more apparent to others you know maybe it's a religious spirit or a spirit of disunity or maybe it's just sometimes we get stiff in the neck refusing to allow God to direct us like an ox refusing the goad talks about it in the old testament Referred to Israel. Not turning and being directed as the Master has asked us to do. Kind of like Israel did. Interesting thing. I notice a lot of times when I find myself, if I'm struggling with something, or I'm struggling with sin, it's usually about me, right? Sin's usually about us, typically. Typically. So no matter how we try to code or disguise it, it's usually about pleasing us, our desires, our opinions, my opinions. They matter and oftentimes we'll sacrifice much over that. To satisfy our opinions and we'll allow that to get in the way instead of having his way. We can blame others as Adam did. And we can dress it up and convince ourselves it's really not sin. I'm not going against God. However, here's what we need to understand. God, Jesus Christ, he is a God of order and he's a God of peace. I'm going to say that one more time. God is a God of order and God is a God of peace. And where he is and where his presence is, there is order and there is peace. The Bible refers Him to him as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9-6. He is the author of love. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers in Matthew 5-9 for they will be called what? they will be called the sons of God. Into a world that is ugly with violence and hate, Jesus sends us as peacemakers. Peacemakers. The question that I have to catch myself oftentimes, am I a peacemaker? Starts at home. Carries over to work, carries to the church, carries with our friends. Because sometimes it's easy to want to sometimes fight for a cause or something we believe or an opinion. But sometimes that cause or fight or opinion goes up against creating peace. And so at that time, I got to begin to balance what's more important. And I have to remember, God has called us to be peacemakers. That's what He's called us to do. Unity requires surrender, it requires me to come into alignment with someone else. That means I can't have it all my way. I've been married 20 years. My wife and I, we still have to have that conversation. I can't have it all my way. It's two becoming one flesh, right? It's just like the body of Christ, right? It's not me. It's not you. It's us. We have to walk together. We have to move together. We are one body moving forward. And saints, if we want true unity, we must follow Christ. And sometimes that requires me to change. Sometimes that requires you to change. Sometimes that requires us to change. And a lot of times change requires sacrifice. That requires dying to oneself and saying yes to Christ and no to self. No to our opinions, our own thoughts. The way I want to think about things. The way I want things or should or need to be done. And yes to him and his ways, his desires, and the way Christ wants to rule his church and you and I. Jesus said this. He said, if you want to follow me, you must bear your own cross. But what is a cross? Is it not suffering? Is that not part of the cross? I believe the Bible says cursed is any man who hangs on a tree referring to the cross. I believe the cross requires sacrifice. It's the death to self so that others might live and so that Christ might live in us. So that the church of God might live and be a light to the world in this community, and in our own home. Among our families. Among our friends. And our co-workers for Christ. The price of the unity in the body of Christ and the church as a whole, and I don't want you to feel like I'm just talking about this church, but we really need to think about the body of Christ as a whole and what we see in the church today. Because what we do here influences other churches, other places, other people. And why we can't necessarily dictate what's going on everywhere else, we can certainly have a lot of influence or control over what's going on here. And if everybody would do that within their own church, then we'd see a worldwide change in the body of Christ. The price of unity in the body of Christ requires the cross. And one thing uh, when Brother Troy asked me to share tonight, it was back in January uh, when I wrote most of this and uh, what what the Lord laid on my heart, but I started thinking about Moses. And as I was praying and preparing for this message, I was thinking about when Moses was at Horeb. And as God commanded Moses... He struck, the walk, or he struck the rock. We all know the story, right? So the children of Israel are out in the wilderness, and they're all coming to Moses, and they're in agony. You know, we're going to die of thirst. You let us out here to leave us. There ain't no water, you know, million, three million people, how many ever it was. That's not counting all the livestock and everything else. They were trailing around with them. And so God spoke to Moses at Horeb, and he commanded him to strike the rock, and the rock split. And water flowed. Was it three million people out there, Brother Troy, or a million? How many you think there was? A lot. (laughs) There was a lot. So that was a miracle in and of itself. So water flowed to save the people of Israel, their households, and all of their livestock from dying of thirst in the wilderness. And he struck the rock, and water flowed. So why? Not do what he had done before. Strike the rock. It was such an easy and familiar thing to do. It produced results before. Why not do it again? The way he had done previously before the people of Israel. And the answer is God asked him to do something differently than he had previously done it. And Moses refused. And so I'm referring to is in Exodus 17 In the first time when God spoke to Moses, he asked Moses in Exodus 17 to strike the rock and by striking the rock, water would flow out. But what happens is when we get over to Numbers 20, God asked Moses to speak to the rock. That's where the problem came in. Because in Numbers 20, Moses didn't speak to the rock as God commanded him to. Moses struck the rock again. And the incident in Numbers 20 was the second time Moses struck the rock, the first time, as I said before, being in Exodus 17. Therefore, we teach that Moses was punished for striking the rock twice in the sense of striking it in Numbers 20 and in Exodus 17 not in the sense of striking it twice in Numbers 20. And I was thinking about this, you know, what does this have to do with what I'm talking about tonight? You see Moses was familiar with what, how, how he had done it before to accomplish results, right? Children of Israel, they're in the middle of the wilderness They're dying of thirst. You strike the rock, water's going to flow. That's great. It worked, right? He was familiar with it. It's something that he had done before and it produced results. You know, a lot of times in our life, we can get familiar with how everything has been done previously. And so we fall into that same pattern. But the problem is, what happens when God says, hey... I want you to do it this way. What happens then? With Moses, he went back with what he was comfortable with, what he was familiar with, what he did before that produced results. Now his heart was in the right place, right? All he's wanting to do is provide water for these people that probably are frustrating the heck out of him. It's all he's wanting to do. But yet God said it was sin. Why? It was right in the eyes of God before. And he had done it that way before. But it became sin when God asked him to change the way he had previously done things. And Moses did not change to do it differently yet Moses chose to continue to do it the way he had done it before it was familiar and he was comfortable doing it that way so what is the problem family I know when I put myself in that situation I have to say, you know what, I'm the problem. And sometimes in the body, we can be the problem. It's us. Sin is simply not obeying God. And it's not always blatant. It's not always obvious. It's not like we're talking about adultery, right? He struck the rock instead of speaking to it. But you know, we need a shepherd. But we have to allow the shepherd to lead as Christ is leading him. And I think partly for Moses, I think he was frustrated with the people of Israel at that time. And I think when he was put in that position, he didn't respond correctly because of the frustration and the pressure. But family, what happens when God asks us to do something differently in his house or in our own lives? Do we let go and let God? The end result is always the same, to bring glory to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is always directing and leading us into a closer walk in relationship with God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the earth today is to teach us. To guide us into all truth. And to bring glory to God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is always the mission of the Holy Spirit. Is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And to bring glory to God the Father. Does anybody agree with that this evening? Amen. However, who is leading who? Is God leading us and we're following? Or are we trying to lead God and have him bless or fit into our own plans. I've done that before. Gotta put my hand up there. I've done that before. God, this is what I'm gonna do. I've got it all laid out. This is how it's all gonna happen, and you're gonna bless it. Anybody else ever been there before? I've been there. You know, there's been times in my life where I've created limitations, I put God in a box. He can do this, but that's about all I can see God doing. It's right here in this box. But what happens when God says, I want to do something outside of that box? What happens then? Have we created limitations in the box in which he can work that is familiar and comfortable for us? If the God of the Old Testament was leading Moses to springs of life-sustaining water that flowed from the rock, which was Christ, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is leading us to the living rock, which is Christ. So what Jesus said may happen, that springs of living waters might flow from us. John 7, 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But what happens when the method of how Christ wants to move in his church, his people, and in the earth today changes? Or how the Holy Spirit wants to move changes? Or how God chooses to use you changes? From how he has used you in the past? Or what you are familiar with him doing in and through you? Or in and through the church itself? Do we still follow his leading then? The end result is always the same, to bring glory to Jesus Christ and to draw us closer to Him and to proclaim the person and the power and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and His Father in all the earth and to lead us into the knowledge and truth of Christ. The ministry of the Spirit of God, that is the ministry of the Spirit of God in the earth today, to comfort us in Christ, to lead us to Christ and to teach us about Christ. And to lift Christ up in the earth and to bring glory unto him. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in the church today. And he wants to move in the church today. However, the how, the when, and the through whom, it's not up to us and it's not up to me. But we have to leave it up to him. Christ and the Holy Spirit of God is building the church, not us. Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, is drawing all men and women unto Himself to give us life and living water, not us. However, it amazes me that He chooses. It amazes me that He chooses to work through us in the earth. And has so graciously and mercifully invited us to follow him. And we're not worthy of doing so. I mean, sometimes we have to think about that. I'm not worthy. The fact that God chooses to even look upon me, that's all because of his sovereign grace and his mercy and his love and his blood that was spilled on Calvary. The hem of his garment, I'm not worthy to touch. And the thong of his sandals, as John said, I'm not worthy to loosen. And if we do not praise him, church, Jesus said the very rocks would cry out and worship God. So again, if I can humbly ask you, what happens when God changes the method or the person Whom he chooses to use, and it's unfamiliar or uncomfortable to us. It's outside of our God box. And to some extent, we all have one, including me. Do we choose to follow his instructions? Then. That's when we truly learn a lot about ourselves. Who's leading who? Is it God leading me or am I leading myself and asking God to conform with what I'm comfortable in doing? And may I graciously say, are we so arrogant to the point to think that God needs us? God needs me. No, God loves me. And in his sovereignty, he may choose to use me or use you or use us for his glory and to bring glory unto his name if we are yielded to him. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Scripture records in John 12, 28, then a voice came from heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify again. God does not need us to bring glory to Him. He is already glorified. He is already lifted up. It is a blessing. It is a privilege. It is an honor that we can be called vessels that God would choose to use for His purposes in the earth as individuals, as a church, as the body of Christ. It is an honor. It is a blessing which we can even begin to comprehend. As I said previously, Moses, perhaps, maybe he didn't change his method out of frustration with the people of Israel. The end result was the same, life-giving water to God's people. However, the method and the way that God wanted to use Moses changed. Why? Because God is leading. Not Moses, not me, not you, not us. To refuse to change and follow the leading of Christ and the Holy Spirit when Moses did it God called it Sid I don't think that's changed today and God held it against Moses and he did not enter into the land God promised to the nation of Israel to you us we the Licking County Church of God this people us right here want to enter into God's plans and purposes and direction for this house? Are we clinging to an old way, a way that is familiar to us? Or are we saying, God, here we are. I come with no preconditions. You know, I found it never works out well when I come before God with preconditions about what I want him to do or say And I come to him and I approach him with these preconditions in my heart, it never really works out that well. Never really works out well when I come and I've already got the program laid out instead of seeking God and asking him what the program is. And there's a difference. There's a difference when I come before God and say, God, I've got it all planned. Here's what we're going to do. This is exactly how it's going to go. Now I want you to bless it. There's a difference when David stripped down to the very inner garment that he had and he prostrated himself before the Lord. And he made himself vulnerable and he humbled himself before God. God, whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, Whatever your plans are, whatever your purposes are, Lord, I am submitted. I am humble. And I am just delighted to be in your presence. I put you in no box of my making. I confess this is your church. Do we, us, right here, right now, want to enter into God's plans and purposes and direction for this house? No preconditions. I confess this is your house, your church, my Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm winding down. I only got a couple of pages left. And the song says this there's an old song, and it says, Where He Leads Me. And I can't sing, so I'll just read it. But it says, I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow. Follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I will go with him, with him all the way. I'll go with him through the garden, I'll go with him through the garden. I'll go with him through the garden. I'll go with him, with him all the way. I'll go with Him through the judgment. I'll go with Him through the judgment. I will go with Him through the judgment. I'll go with Him. With Him. All the way. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory. And go with me all the way. I don't know about you, but I don't think there, there is any other way that I want to go. Not to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit will prevent us from entering into all that God has promised for you and for this church. Lincoln County Church of God, not to follow the leading of Christ and the Holy Spirit will prevent me, you, us, all of us as a body in this house from entering into the new promise. I'm sorry, not new promise, but entering into the promise of new life that God has for this church. And for myself, Gabriel Yance, not to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Christ will prevent me from entering into the plans and purposes that God has for my life. So what about you? Is it not sin to follow the leading of Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit? We must be careful not to get too familiar with the way and method. Christ and the Holy Spirit does something in the church to the point that we refuse to change as Moses did and to do so is sin. After all, who among us can claim to know the mind and the way and the will of God? Who wants to put themselves in that position that we can say, I know the mind and the way and the will of God. That we would restrict Him. I believe the Bible says that His ways are higher than my ways. Closing, may the Lord Ritchie bless you. May he guide you and direct you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you and your children and your children's children and the Licking County Church of God. Let's pray. Father, we come. Lord, what a joy it is to be in your house. Lord, what a joy it is to be here with brothers and sisters that love you, that have a passion for you, that want to see your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, that want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you that even today, Lord, as the storms came and as Justin, he was praying and I know I was praying and I'm sure many of us were, Lord, that even in the little things, Father God, I know that you answer us. And I know, Lord, as our church is in a time of transition, Father God, I know that you have a plan. I know that you are moving. I know that you are directing our steps. And I just pray, Lord, that our ears and our eyes and our hearts, Lord, would be open. I pray, Father God, that in this process, Lord, that we would be peacemakers. And Lord, there's a time to be silent and there's a time to shout. There's a time to stand and there's a time to sit. And I just pray, Father God, that you would help us as a body and as individuals, Father God, to understand and recognize, Father God, that the most important thing that we need to do right now is to be peacemakers with one another. Lord, to strive for unity, Father God, and to be on our faces. Lord, praying and seeking your face and asking for your will and your direction in this house. Father, I just pray that you'd bless my entire family here tonight, that your hand would be upon them, Lord, and that you would just be with them throughout this week. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.